Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, the 17th chapter. It is Matthew's way of witnessing to what Mary talked about a moment ago, a very important event in scripture, the transfiguration of Jesus. Let us stand and listen for the word of the Lord. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And Jesus was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, It is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While Peter was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them. And from the cloud, a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, They fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up, do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, today we hear the story of an incredible mountaintop experience. We've had those, haven't we? Mountaintop experiences come in all shapes and sizes. Sometimes they're planned very carefully and crafted. Sometimes they're a total surprise. But there are moments when things look different to us and sound different to us. If we grew up in church, we probably have had a mountaintop experience or two, or I certainly hope that we have. When I was growing up, we had those kinds of experiences as children and youth at retreats and at church camp and at revival meetings and at youth choir tours. And those are highlights of my life, even to this day. Just recently, uh, this past week, I was contacted by someone I grew up with. And they were asking, have you been hacked on Facebook? And I said, if I'm still alive, I'm sure I've been hacked on Facebook. (laughs) Whoever that is, is making my life miserable. But yes. And... She said, well, I didn't think it was you because you were asking me for money and you couldn't spell. (laughs) She says, I went through 12 years of school with you. I know you can spell, right? And then she said something that was so funny. She said, I started to ask the question that only you would know the answer to. Like... What was the name of the youth musical that the youth choir sang in Homer, Louisiana, when we were in the seventh grade? And I said, come together. 
And she typed back, hello, Barry Earl Hughes. <laughs> she knew who I was. And I love that little encounter because it showed how profound the moments, the mountaintop experience that trip was for both of us all those years ago, that she remembered that, and I remembered it too. Depending on the year and the emphasis and the theme of those events, I made all kinds of commitments during my mountaintop experiences. Once I said I was open to being a missionary and a preacher. Look what that got me, huh? Okay. Once I said I was open to getting rid of all my rock and roll records. Fortunately, I got over that on the bus ride home and didn't do that. Memorized the Bible. Not kiss a girl till after we were married. I got over that one too along the way. I love thinking of those memories, not because I think they're silly. I remember those and I love to remember those because they make me laugh with joy. Because those were important moments in my life. Those mountaintop moments, no matter how we get over them when we get back down the mountain, we never quite land where we were. And we continue in our journey to be like Christ. That's why we believe in mountaintop experiences. That's why we try hard to create space and worship where we can lose ourselves in God's presence for an hour and be encouraged and inspired that even when it's hard, following Jesus is worth it. That's why we provide so many opportunities to serve others so that in that serving we have a glimpse of the kingdom of God coming a little more fully on earth. And it's a mountaintop experience for us. Mountaintop experiences matter. We need them. But we don't just need the feelings that come with them. We need to hear the message God speaks through them. Just like in this story in the Gospel of Matthew. It was not unusual for Jesus to draw aside for some privacy or for some prayer. And it was not unusual for Jesus to ask his closest three friends out of the disciples, Peter, James, and John, to go with him. So we can imagine the shock when Peter, James, and John find themselves on the mountain with Jesus and suddenly Jesus doesn't look anything like he'd ever looked before. His face shone like the sun. And his clothes were dazzling white. And then Moses and Elijah show up so they can have a conversation with Jesus. Wow, that's a mountaintop experience. So Peter, good old Peter, who never let thinking get in the way of his talking, said, let's make three tabernacles here, three booths. We can all just stay here. Peter is making the mistake we often do about mountaintop experiences. We want to take a transcendent moment and make it permanent. <laughs> but that's not the way mountaintop experiences work. And while he's in the middle of making his pitch for this mountaintop subdivision, a bright cloud comes down. 
I've always been fascinated by that phrase, and a bright cloud overshadowed them. I love that imagery of something bright overshadowing someone. And then they hear a voice speak from the cloud. This is my son, my beloved, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Well, that was too much for Peter, James, and John. They just fall out on the ground, terrified, overcome with fear, Matthew says. But Jesus goes and touches them and tells them to get up. Don't be afraid. And when they look up, they see Jesus alone. Only Jesus. And then you know what Jesus does? He immediately leads them back down the mountain. <laughs> Why? Because that's where the people are. That's where the work is. That's where the needs are. Jesus knew that God gave those three a gift. It's time to get back to work. If you look right before this story in Matthew's gospel, it's interesting. Peter has just made his great declaration when Jesus says or asks him, who do you say that I am? And Peter is the one who knows the answer. You are the Messiah, the Son of God. That's a high moment. And once Peter says that, Jesus immediately starts to talk about his death. And Peter rebukes Jesus, Matthew says. It takes a lot of self-assurance to rebuke Jesus. Peter says, no, that's not going to happen. You don't have to die. And Peter hears those words that I'm sure he never forgot as long as he lived. Get behind me, Satan. You're not wanting God's will, you're wanting your own way. And then Jesus says, if anybody really want to be my disciple, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Kind of a bummer, isn't it? Hard, hard words. And it's as if God knew if Peter, James, and John and those other disciples were ever going to be able to follow Jesus through what lay ahead, they needed to see Jesus in the fullness of his glory and to hear the message, to listen to him. Hard words about death and dying and self-denial and crosses. Maybe a little bloom had come off the rose for following Jesus. But that message is so important for what lie ahead for the disciples. You know, the disciples already believed Jesus was the Messiah. They'd already tromped along many a dusty mile with him. But it's getting hard now. And Jesus' words are ominous and scary. And so they have this 
mountaintop experience. We forget that the disciples are trying to uh, plow their way through all the many ideas of what the Messiah would do. They're trying to find their way through all of the different expectations, through all of the different visions, through all of the different interpretations by this prophet or that prophet. Find their way through their own biases and through their own fears to see who Jesus really is. And so God shows Peter, James, and John, as great as Moses is, listen to Jesus. (laughs) As great as Elijah is, listen to Jesus. That is the message that would get them through what lay ahead and what lay beyond Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension back to God. Why wouldn't we listen to the one whom Jesus says, this is my son? Why wouldn't we listen to the one about whom Jesus says, I am well pleased? Why wouldn't we listen to Jesus, who is Emmanuel, God with us? Why wouldn't we listen to Jesus, the one who would stop at nothing, not even death on a cross, to make God's love known to us? So that message for those first disciples is a message for all disciples throughout all time. We are to look at the world through the lens of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. We're to look at each other through the lens of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. We're to read the scripture through the lens of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. That's what makes us Christian. We listen to him. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.